Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Welcome to Nugent Ventures uh, for June 1. Uh, we got through May. Still on the green side of the proverbial golf course, although the clubs are in storage. I think I'm going to take the year off. Maybe next year. Which is my attitude, by the way, toward just about everything. Um, I'm not quite ready to let my guard down regarding this nasty virus, which apparently even the uh, current administration is thinking may have been a uh, inadvertent, probably, but still man-made phenomenon now. Uh, in China... I put something out on my private Facebook friends group, which is the only place I post almost anything now, <clears throat> uh, due to the fact that I don't find it lucrative or nurturing or whatever to uh, debate people endlessly on Facebook when I point out that, you know, the sky is blue. Um uh, so now China has decided to gear up for nuclear war because uh, Uncle Joe is raising the issue of whether or not this may have been an oopsie by our Chinese uh, fellow humans. And, uh, you know, now Trump had... In fact, when Trump did call it the China virus, I mean, I got canceled by some folks on Facebook for questioning whether or not that's actually racist. Well, nobody's questioning Joe about this, you know. So so clearly, you know, Democrats just completely get a pass on the whole woke thing. So, which just goes to show you it's a joke. It's a woke joke. Anyway. So today I read an opinion piece, granted, in CNN by a, uh, a woman who says she identifies as a she-her. Uh, and she says that what the there's a whole lot of unfilled jobs, like 8 million jobs that are gone, going unfilled. And I'll I'll take one of them, but you know, I I am unfortunately being victimized by age discrimination. Willing to work, no one will hire me. So, um, but that's okay because I don't know. I, mean, I guess it's just okay. So, uh, and anyway, this woman says that. Studies have proven that paying people, like, I, I figured out what unemployment is, and I'm collecting that, actually, and unabashedly, because, you know, the feds are giving it to me because I work the census. So they're giving me, like, 500 and some bucks a week. And if you work that, I just work that out for a 40-hour week. And if you do it for 37 and a half, which is the legal week, by the way, and it's about 15 bucks an hour to do nothing. So if you say to a person who is making, you know, the fight for 15, which apparently is a living wage, I don't know, 
Well, this woman says it should be $21, even if you live in, like, you know, Tupelo, Mississippi, where the cost of living is, like, 10% of what it is in Manhattan, I guess. So, but still, it should be 21 wherever you go. And uh, they better be careful about that because people will end up moving to the low-cost-of-living areas because the effective minimum wage will be much higher than it is in a place like Manhattan or Blue State. You know, that could be dangerous. Unintended consequences, folks. So uh, if you're going to pay somebody 15 bucks an hour, and that doesn't even take into account the fact that it's tax-free and there's no withholdings for, you know, FICA and all that. So the in-pocket is even better. And... You say, okay, we're going to pay you 15 or more for doing nothing versus 10 for, you know, busting your ass at some shitty job. Well, how could that not make somebody, and they say, well, you know, the study says, well, we offered people, people were offered jobs and only one out of seven turned it down. Well, they're not even going to look. You know, they got to look for a job, but it's it's pretty easy to look for a job and not get one. You know, you just, uh, when you're on unemployment, I never realized this, but you they send you now, they send you an email every week with the digital, you know, here's some jobs for you based on whatever you put out there. So you apply for them, you know, online. And uh, that it's not that hard to look for jobs and not find them. And so this is supposed to expire in September. This, uh, you know, normally you would get like two hundred twenty bucks from the state or whatever for unemployment. But now Joe's topping it off with another three hundred, even though there's eight million un unfilled jobs. And it's supposed to end in September, but I am almost, you know, if I I would bet a fairly good amount of money that they'll extend it until next November. And why is that? Because that's when the midterms are. And they need votes, so they're going to spend whatever amount of money they need to buy the votes, and they're spending other people's money, or maybe even, you know, money that just is conjured out of thin air. So who cares? So what if there's inflation? So what if nobody will work? And you're going to get wage inflation, obviously. Well, you know, it is what it is. But but the point is, I put a quote out on... uh, on Facebook, and this is on my public Facebook account, and it's a it's a George Costanza quote from the Seinfeld show, and I never heard it before. But uh, the quote goes, and of course that was the Larry David uh, avatar, you know, which I didn't realize for many years. But the quote is that it isn't lying if you believe it. So if you tell me that paying people as much, if not more, money to do nothing than they would make if they went to work does not discourage people from working, as long as you believe it, 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 it isn't lying. And, uh, you know, so many things. They talk about the big lie when it comes to Trump. Trump thinks apparently... He'll be reinstated in in July. <laughs> well, you know, if he believes it, 
But, boy, there's a whole lot of that going on on both sides of the political fence. Anyway, this is my weekly week, the week. I, I didn't found nothing in the Tribune worth sharing. So, But the week magazine remains, a, 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 you know, it's impossible not to share this when you're a guy like me. So, uh, starting out with business, as I've started to do, because this is supposed to be about making money. Um, autos, Ford came out with a big bet on the uh, Ford 150 Lightning, uh, which is a their electric uh, truck, the 150. 800,000 F-150s were sold in the U.S. alone. And uh, in when? Last year, 2020, which was... I don't know, maybe a, I don't know whether it was an above average year or below average. But this is interesting. Almost 300,000 Teslas were sold. So Tesla's getting to be a pretty big player. But obviously dwarfed in terms of volume by Ford and GM and the Japanese companies. So, uh, but I thought that's a remarkable number there for Tesla. Um... China's government is trying to take over the auto industry with the electric opportunity. They're spending $100 billion in subsidies and other aid on the e-vehicle industry. So the question is, should we do that too? And, And even Republicans now are talking about industrial policy. I still don't believe in it. I think it's a, it's boondoggles. But, uh, you know, China is a powerful distorting force in the world economy still. Even before it was like a black hole because of communism. But now, and Europe's been doing it for years with these industrial subsidies. And look where that's gotten them. Nowhere. Because the central planners are always 30 years behind. And, you know, meanwhile, guys in the valley are 30 years ahead at least. And they don't get any subsidies, or they shouldn't. The one area I agree with Bernie Sanders and some of these other progressives on, or one of the areas, I guess, is corporate welfare. I don't believe in it. Um, Let's see. The truck has a range of 230 miles, but there's an extended range, 300-mile version, which is an option. And if you're towing a heavy load, less. And uh, Biden's infrastructure bill, and this is where you do get a subsidy, envisions a national grid of 500,000 high-speed chargers, making it easy to travel anywhere without range anxiety, but that grid is yet to be built out. I mean, I'd love to get an electric vehicle. My wife won't let me, because at least it used to be that Tesla gave you free electricity. And the thing has no moving parts, so there's nothing to break down. Although, honestly, my car, I have a Toyota, knock on wood, never breaks down. So anyway, that's what's going on there. And, you know, in terms of Tesla's an investment, it's gotten beat up bad. If if it was ever a good investment, I mean, obviously it was before it went through the roof. But uh, 
it's a better investment now than it was last year. That's all I I don't play in that space. So here's an article with another thing I don't play in, which is SPACs, which are special purpose acquisition uh, companies. And this is a company that raises a lot of money and uses it to go out and buy something. And they don't tell you what they're going to buy. Uh, they just shop around. Now, I didn't really understand this, and one of my rules is don't invest in something you don't understand. Every time I violate that almost, I regret it. Um, so there's tons of the. I don't even know how many. The $336 billion went into it in 2020, and 323 first four months of this year. So that's almost a trillion dollars, uh, hundreds of them. And it looks like an insider uh, profit opportunity, which I'm sure the Warrens and Sanderses of the world, probably Warren, will go after. Um, according to the Wall Street Journal, SPACs are essentially risk-free for early backers like hedge funds who get warrants allowing them to reclaim their investment if they don't like the deal. It's even better for creators or sponsors who get a 20% stake at a deep discount and often make money even if the company they take public struggles. So I am pretty much staying away from that. Uh, article about social media's shopping perils. Studies, unnamed studies, now indicate a direct correlation between social media use, credit card debt, and low credit scores. Well, there's obviously a definite linear association between credit card debt and low credit scores. Because the more of your credit you use, the lower your score, which is, I don't know. I don't know if that's right or not. By the way, watch for uh, the progressives to attack credit ratings based on equity, that it's discriminatory. And honestly, they're using these for job screening. You know, if you have a low credit score, it jeopardizes your employment, which is not the case when I was in the job market as a as a you know younger person. As far as I know, nobody ever ran a credit check on me. Maybe we used to do that at MMS. But the theory is that if you've got a bad credit rating, you're a, you're a screw up, and you know you're more likely to steal. I I don't know that I think that's fair. I mean, who needs a job more than somebody who's got credit issues? So. Uh, but I, so I don't know. I, I suspect, though, that not only will they attack that from an employment perspective, which I think is somewhat valid, actually, uh, they'll attack it, period, because, you know, it's discriminatory if you break it down by race. So then you won't be able to use credit scores, and then nobody will be able to get credit. Because if you can't, you know, use a credit rating, then... That is definitely a killer for anybody who's trying to lend money. There's other ways to do it, of course. You know, you can tap into the bank's data and, like, mortgage payments and all that because credit ratings don't fully encompass uh, payment behavior. But that's something you have to be careful with. But uh, the other thing is the Fed is obviously going to be managing based on a woke... uh, 
type of a, of a philosophy, which is why I think, you know, rates are going to be low forever. Because as long as you, right now they have to watch out for full employment, but if it has to be full employment for every racial breakdown, you'll never get there, by definition. So, low rates for and free money forever. There's a great cartoon here uh, about Lori Lightfoot now having this really idiotic announcement that she would only give exclusive interviews to reporters of color. So it's the old separate uh, drinking fountains for people of color versus white people. But the white people get the crummy one. So probably put that out on the private Facebook page so I don't get crucified. Okay, now here, this is, a, this is a sort of a safe space alert. Well, first of all, there's an article about writing by thought alone. There's a brain gate system that lets you uh, write about 90 characters a minute, which is kind of slow, with 94% accuracy just by thinking. So it's kind of like the think method from uh, the music man. Uh you know, I, I use this Microsoft Word, the dictate function, which works pretty well. But if I could just think, you know, maybe I could do the podcast because it, uh, of course, it's, you don't want to, you don't want to be inside my head. It's, it's a scary place. So maybe that's not such a good idea. But um, it'll also trade. They use that on a guy who's paralyzed from the neck down. But you can also translate it into speech. So like Stephen Hawking, he wouldn't have to use that goofy thing that sounded so weird. Now here's a, here's a safe space alert. This is a little, uh, I don't know, I want to say off color, but I read this before and I thought about it, but now here it is again. Um, I thought about putting it on the podcast. I'm just going to read the article. This is according to, I forget where this is reported. Scientists have come up with, a, one, with an unorthodox way of saving oxygen-starved mammals, pumping oxygen into their anus. Now, this is the old blowing smoke up your ass, but um, now this, if you have lung disease, see fish use gills uh, instead of lungs. But uh, it turns out that uh, people can absorb air through uh, one of their internal intestines, I guess. Yeah, so maybe we got gills somehow in there. Uh, this is only in trials. This is in the New York Times, so, you know. I know it's a little crude, but, you know, with uh, COVID, that would be helpful. Because the respirators blow stuff all over your body, you know. They blow the vex, they blow the virus all over your body. That turned out to be a good, a good thing. Remember when, uh, remember when uh, Governor Cuomo was looking for a million respirators? Well, it would have killed more people than it cured, as it turned out. People forget that. By the way, Chris Cuomo got dinged by CNN for 
uh, strategizing with his brother on how to handle this sexual harassment stuff with the media. But there's no media bias, so that's good. Um, okay, so, and again, if you believe it, it's not a lie. The Costanza rule. The other Costanza rule I'm a fan of is opposite logic, which is that George figures one time that everything he does is wrong, so if he just does the opposite of what he thinks he ought to do, then everything will work out right. And that's an alpha seeker technique. <laughs> I've had days like that in the market. Okay, now here's an interesting thing. With In light of, you know, it's like where's the beef is another item today because they shut down the uh, slaughterhouses with computer everything's computerized now so you can shut anything down uh, the slaughterhouses have been shut down because somebody hacked it and I guess it's a ransomware thing I thought it was like you know PETA meat is murder um, so that's bullish for beyond meat there's a stock pick for you uh, BYND is also uh uh, Robin Hood meme stock. So it's a yellow play. You know, there's some short interest in Beyond Meat, like 22%. So that thing, I, I would I would go for that, either with options or long. So there's a stock tip. It's like there's little diamonds amidst all this ore. But Innovation of the Week. Engineers have designed a computer processor that thwarts hackers by randomly changing the microarchitecture, its microarchitecture, every few milliseconds, said Michael Irving in NewAtlas.com. The microarchitecture of a processor is like its guts, executing the instructions that software needs to run on a device. Hackers need to understand it to inject malware, but researchers at Let's Go Blue, University of Michigan, designed a processor nicknamed Morpheus, which is an allusion, no doubt, to the Matrix, that shuffles essential information about its microarchitecture, such as the commands the processor executes or the formal, the format, I'm sorry, of program data. So I don't know if that's like uh, binary or I don't know, DOS, whatever. A system, I'm a mile wide an inch deep. Uh, a system running on the processor was mocked up to resemble a medical database filled with software vulnerabilities, <laughs> which you can find at any local doctor's office. More than 500 security researchers were invited to do the white hack hacking yet not a single attack made it through. So that's encouraging. So whoever commercializes that is a definite long, definite buy. And what else have we got here? Moving right along. Most of these you can hear me crumpling and tossing. Okay, now here's a little, uh, little wokey woke joke material. Hannah Jones, Nicole Hannah Jones, who is black with a capital B, a New York Times journalist, she was the principal author of the 1619 Project, which, if you're not familiar with it, basically reframes history as all about black 
people. Uh, you know, blacks built this nation, and everything is about them. Uh, so, you know, it's like, you know, the Irish write books like that, and it's sort of Afrocentric view of, of U.S. history. And, and, you know, I actually, broadly, it occurred to me that a lot of U.S. history does revolve around that just because of the, you know, first of all, the slavery thing, and then the Civil War, and then Reconstruction, and then, you know, this Tulsa thing and the 1919 race. You know, a lot of the... Uh, the dynamic in this country really does, if you look at it, revolve around that that fault line, if you will, or that dynamic. And uh, so I think the broad point, actually, that she was making is somewhat valid. But unfortunately, it was a collection of essays. So this is always the problem, you know, when you do an anthology. And apparently there were some actual errors in it. Uh, I guess the argument she makes is that black inequality today is a product of centuries of deliberate political and policy choices, quote-unquote, systemic racism. Well, you know, I mean, I guess there's something to be said for that, too, because... When you bring people into a country as property, as slaves, I mean, look at the Romans. Watch Spartacus, right? I mean, of course, <laughs> of course there's inequality when, you know, you're owned by somebody. Uh, and then post, you know, post manumission, post emancipation, you know, uh, certainly since 1965, I think, you could argue the opposite, which is that the country has been working to rectify those things. Before that, okay. And you could also make the argument that the problems that we see, like I saw a figure today, and I'll, I'll get to that later, about the disparity in, or the makeup, the racial uh, breakdown of murder victims in Chicago. And it's, there's some computational, I don't know if it's an error or what, but we'll get to that. But you could argue that, you know, all these years of uh, history account for uh, some of the issues that we find in the black community, capital B. Okay, fine. But um, according to... The National Review, which is conservative, uh, the project was riddled with historical errors, including its astounding assertion that the American Revolution was fought mainly to protect slavery. And that is really wrong, because it was a northern thing. And the South came along somewhat reluctantly, I think, uh, at least as I understand the history of it. So, but I think that's pretty, pretty well documented. And so, according to the National Review, again, 
she resorted to evasions and attacks on her critics, no doubt playing the race card, and quietly changed online versions. Well, you know, when you when you do an anthology and you don't do the fact checking, that can happen. So this article is mostly about she was demoted at the University of North Carolina. She was up for a tenured professorship. I don't know why she wanted to get out of the Times. But conservatives on the board overrode the recommendation of the faculty, and she was downgraded to a five-year contract without tenure. A clear slap at her race, gender, and unwillingness to bow to critics, according to The Guardian, which is a British newspaper, very liberal. So how you see the world depends on your politics these days. Andrew Sullivan, who is gay, I don't know if that's capital G, but he's pretty conservative, I guess. And he writes it on his own website, or actually on Substack, which I would like to write on. Her sudden demotion was a mistake. It's imperative, according to Andrew, to oppose the cancellation of those whose views you despise. Now, he, he's an old-fashioned uh, liberal, meaning free, not progressive necessarily. Uh, let He says, let people talk and then prove them wrong, which I agree with. Prove me wrong. Don't cancel me. Uh... And Albert Einstein, on the subject of knowledge, is quoted in Wit Wisdom, saying, Imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagination encircles the world. If not the universe, you would think that Einstein would have said. And boy, do people use their imagination. You know, like saying that the, the, the uh, we seceded from Britain to preserve slavery. I mean, the British brought slavery to the United States, Right. And they they didn't end it until way after the Revolutionary War, like 1830-something, I think. Now, we didn't follow suit. Uh, let's see. I thought there was another quote here, but I guess not. Poll Watch. 25% of Americans believe Donald Trump is the true president of the U.S. Now, there's clearly a partisan divide here. of Republicans still think he's the true president. Well, you know, I mean, probably 53, I mean, probably more than that, thought Al Gore was the real president, right? I remember all that not my president stuff. So this is nothing new, but it's when when Republicans say that, then that's insurrection. Now, Michael Flynn did evidently propose a a Myanmar type of a coup, at a meeting of QAnon, which is still evidently a thing. I mean, this is crazy. So there's, you know, that that George Costanza, uh, it isn't a lie if you believe it. That may be the epitaph for the 21st century. 25, okay, but, yeah, 55, here's another thing. 55% of Republicans think the January 6th insurrection was led by violent left-wing protesters trying to make Trump look bad. So you know, it's you can't you can't talk sense to people these days. And again, it isn't a lie if you believe it. So so many examples. You know, once you see a 
an insight like that, uh, it's a prism through which you view the world. Now, the Daily Telegraph. I firmly believe that we are headed for Medicare for all. I'm surprised. I mean, one thing Biden evidently learned from Obama is don't lead with health care. But the more I participate in the health care system, even within Obamacare, I mean, Blue Cross has become an absolute cluster. Uh, I'm going to use a little profanity because it's a small group. It's a clusterfuck, guys. I spend an hour and a half every month trying to pay my premium for my wife. It's incredible. So I, for years, opposed Medicare for All, but now I'm like, you know what? It's inevitable. It's probably the right thing to do, at least, and at least at a base level of health care. And these guys deserve it, especially the insurance companies. So anyway, this is a report. Uh, from Harry DeQuitville in the Daily Telegraph, one of those French names that are common in the UK because of the Norman thing. So, uh, it's about, the title is No, the Doctor Will Not See You Now, even though it's free. Uh, 1948, uh, you could get... uh, a doctor to come see you every day under the National Health Service. Today, uh, you have to battle to get an appointment. The key factor is in population growth. We now have more primary care doctors or they have per capita than they did in 1948. It's that more people are living longer with chronic complex conditions. 70 years ago, men could expect to live to be 66, which is my age, And honestly, I'm telling you, that's enough. Now that I'm 66, that's enough. Women's 71. Today, 79 and 83. So you get 13 more years if you're male and 12. It's pretty pretty constant. Elderly patients need more care. A man in his 80s costs NHS 10x a man in his 30s. A mere 1% of Britain's account for 32% of all hospital spending. It's older, fatter, more prone to mental illness. Until we tackle underlying health issues, many of them rooted in poverty and inadequate social care, arranging face-to-face with a local doctor isn't going to get any easier. So don't expect single-payer to be a panacea. It won't be. But it's going to be. It's going to come to pass, in my humble opinion. A stinging article about Lightfoot's progressive racism. Now, I have known for years that it is impossible for a black capital B person to be racist because I was in Gus Savage's uh, congressional district. And I'm not sure Gus realized that there were any people who looked like me in his district. I used to read the newsletter, and he said that he had been accused of being racist because of his attitude toward people who look like me. And he said it's impossible for a black man to be a racist because only the oppressor can be racist and black people are the oppressed. Now, at the time, obviously, Gus was a congressman and I think I was unemployed. So I'm like, well, who's in a better position here? You or me? I don't know. And, but I, got, I remembered that, and it served me well. 
But uh, Zachary Fariah in the Washington Examiner, which is a conservative paper, but, you know, the whole idea of the week is they quote both sides. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's latest decision is racist. Now, he doesn't know the, the savage principle, okay? So we have to forgive him. He's ignorant. Uh, Lightfoot has decided that as she enters, she completes her second year in office, she'll grant one-on-one interviews only to black and other non-white journalists. Now, honestly, I think that was just upon the occasion of her two-year anniversary. I don't think it's in general, but I don't know. Her justification is that Chicago media outlets are too white. Now, if you watch the local news in Chicago, I mean, I it's kind of remarkable when you do see a white male now. So again, this is kind of like, you know, living in, a, in the past, In order to progress, we must change. Okay. Diversity may be a worthy goal, but judging the worthiness of every member of the Chicago media solely by their skin color can be described by only one word, racism. And again, you know, poor Zach doesn't know the savage principle. The fact that it's progressive racism aimed at achieving equity makes it no less grotesque and anti-American. Poor Zach. He's so unwoke. And if you're unwoke, by the way, you're a sheeple. So Zach's a sheeple. Poor guy. Lightfoot may have created this divisive identity politics distraction to drown out coverage of her abysmal leadership in the Windy City, and I can't wait for the next mayoral election if I'm still alive and living here in Chicago because I will vote for Bozo the Clown or anybody who runs against this mayor of ours. So far this year there have been, now this is where this mathematical uh, impassibility comes from, but I'll get into this analysis of it. According to Zach, uh, there have been 227 homicides in Chicago so far this year, 36 more than its blood-soaked pace in 2020. Well, you know, Zach again I mean, I remember when we were pushing a thousand with a lo- about the same population, I think, back in the seventies. So this is actually pretty light for Chicago. Uh, the dead include now. Here's you know those of you who are mathematically inclined. Apparently, of that two hundred twenty-seven, one hundred eighty-five were black, and sixty-six though were Hispanic. So I pulled out the old calculator and. That adds up to more than 227. So either Zach's got his numbers wrong, and I tried to check it online, but I couldn't find anything that made any sense. And it's not worth any further research. Or some of the black people were also Hispanic, so they're kind of two for... (laughs) So... uh, That's far more important than the race of people covering the news. And, of course, then let's compare that to the number being killed by police, which, of course, you know, ideally would be zero, but still, you know, 1,000 people, I think, nationwide every year get killed by police. I think 35% of them are black. 
so that's 350. Well, hell, we kill almost that many in Chicago alone. And it's our fellow citizens. <laughs> and, you know, there is a lot of that, that. I mean, BLM, okay, but not so much to bees, because a lot of that is, you know, same team. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, uh, you know, but even taking, let's just say that uh, all of the, you know, it's if it's two twenty seven hundred five eighty five black, that'd be forty two white. So let's say they were they were all white. All the people who weren't black were white. So that's forty two, uh, which would be about forty percent of the. No, that's not right, is it? Yeah, I guess it is right. So there's there's still a disproportionality. I think 40% of the people in the city are black, but 60% of the murder victims then would be black. So that's an equity figure, I think, that ought to be worked on, you know? It'd be nice if we could get the number of people killed in the city, murdered, to be proportionate to the population, wouldn't it? Okay. So... That's that, and now here's this COVID lab leak theory gaining ground. Um, If the lab theory is true, and this is the Wuhan lab, allegedly a couple of uh, folks who worked at Wuhan in November were hospitalized, November of 2019 were hospitalized with something that could have been either just your normal flu or COVID. Well, if that's the case, then you could argue that this got out of that lab, okay? And they were doing all that bat research. So, Michael Brendan in the National Review, which is conservative, says that the lab theory is true, then COVID-19 will be the single worst man-made disaster in human history, The disease has killed at least three and a half million people, left millions more with lingering health problems, and cost the world up to $28 trillion in lost economic output, some of which is lost forever, restaurants, hotels, etc. Should China be found responsible, it might be time to bring up the word reparations in international affairs again. And of course now the liberals are denying this, you know, vociferously. But hell, Joe Biden thinks it's worth looking into. But that's not racist because he's a Democrat. So, um, yeah, and, and me thinks they protested too much when they start talking about, you know, nuking up over these allegations. I think that they know that they are liable and culpable. And that's why they're so sensitive about it. I mean, if it wasn't true, I don't see why they would get so sensitive about it, you know? Me thinks they protesteth too much. So so that's a big story. And what, what do we do, you know? I mean, do we send them a bill? I mean, this would make 
the Holocaust looked like a, well, no, it wasn't actually. Holocaust is still worse. So, anyway, that is something to watch. Stay tuned. So that is about it. 45 minutes of your life you'll never get back. I hope you found it either amusing or interesting or even profitable or uh, some of the above or hopefully all of the above. Until next time, this is Terry Nugent for Nugent Ventures signing off. Uh, Live long, prosper. I guess you don't have to wear your mask, but stay safe. Don't don't let your guard down, folks. Bye-bye.